and welcome to the preview. I'm your host, Christopher Gallagher, as we cover this semi-final spooktacular. Brian McManus is joining me on the preview panel. Hello, Brian. How are you? Good. Good to see you've you've dressed up. I like it. What have you came as? Uh, Uncle Fester. Yeah, all right. It's, it's, you're doing well. Yeah. Yep. See uh, a lot of thought and preparations going into that. Well done. I can see that you've dressed up as a wee idiot. Oh, no, you're not. That's just your life, your face. We're also joined by Alan Edgar. Hello, Alan. How are you? Oh. That's a joke that might not work for a podcast, but yeah, I was it's a very good visual I, joke. And then I jumped into the screen, which was, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. And I I, I was hid, hidden for a good minute there, and it was very uncomfortable, I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> I, I genuinely thought... I'm glad Brian didn't crack wise any further, because I was in real pain. Yeah, I was, I was worried you were having technical issues, so I, I went longer with Brian than normal, because you were bent over to the side. Um, oh, I'm good, mate, I'm good. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, good stuff. Um... We can talk. We can talk. We can touch on on Leo because I think that comes into how we're feeling and what's kind of changed. Um, our attitudes may have changed. Our feelings maybe not. I don't know. We can, we can talk about that. But uh, this is the forty sixth podcast we've done in October, um, which has been an incredible month for content. And we thank you to all of our contributors, everyone who's taken the time to get involved. Uh, we thank you to all our subscribers, everyone who has listened, who's commented, who's posted. I should say we've got a flick chat. If you are, if you're not part of the flick chat yet, go onto the flick chat, search for the cynic flick chat and it will come up and you can join that. We also have the website. Well, we kind of want to push the comment section of the website because some people comment now and then but it'd be good if you really have something to say put it up on the website because we're monitoring it all the time and we want to get some debate and garner kind of questions and comments from that so check out the website as well and i can confirm that the app will be dropping very soon very very soon uh date will be announced monday on the agenda um and we can uh, look forward to what that will bring with us um alan having tested the app this week i can confirm it is a real thing that works and is operational and it's very very good lovely stuff see it exists alan's testing it so it exists in alan's head you still just making this up shut up Brian. the announcement this week again was yeah there's going to be an announcement stay tuned yeah thanks for subscribing there, there, there was an announcement and that that's what the announcement was that there's going to be an announcement no we're going to we're going to give you all the details on monday and uh, it's the third heat you know, you've got the you've got the website, you've got the RSS feed, and now we have the app. The app is the third heat, um, and we're giving you lots of ways to to listen to the content. But um, concerned that um, quality testing of a technical application was left to me as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I need to we need to whoever words whoever agreed that. Well, I think it was basically what you do is you go to the person who's the least tech savvy and you say, "Can you <laughs> can you try and break this?" And if they break it, you're in trouble. Um, so now we've got other guys. We get Marcus and Martin Friel and all those guys here doing all the testing as well. Um, but joking aside, thank you for everyone. Just thank you to our subscribers. Um, thank you to everyone who's subscribed via thecynic.co. Also, thank you to everyone on, still on Patreon. Um, if you if you want to move over, you know the time's coming with the app. It might be the time to jump over. Um, but if not, still thanks for sticking with us, and uh, we get plenty more content coming up and a lot of more. Lots of exciting comments and uh, points of view to come. But today we you are... tell them um, we don't have a lot to talk about today because the lunch club stole so much of it. So we're spending twenty minutes talking about an app that's maybe coming at some point. Uh, well, Brian, once but that was that was off air. Uh, that was uh, sort of off air comment uh, shot across the bows. Um, 
Paul Carlin, if you're listening, your boys are probably going to take a hell of a beating. Um, but yeah. we, we, listen, hey, look, we want to we want to look at the. I'm going to we're going to break it down into general thoughts, tactical views, and then we've got a section on just semi-final slash cup memories, best cup memories, best semi-final memories. We've uh, all been tasked with talking about one specific game, um, and so we. We'll get that. That'll be a bit of fun towards the end. We've not. We're not going to do the press conference stuff this week because we feel it's been covered pretty extensively, pretty well. And um, yeah, it's good. Alan, you're raising your hands. Why are you raising your hands? It's nice not to have to respond to Neil Lennon's post uh, pre-match comments. At, but genuinely, when you put that in the chat earlier, saying that there was no press or audio, uh, it changed the nature of how much I was looking forward to this recording very much. He's got, he's got a huge smile on his face. He, he's loving it. Uh, listen, this seems like a good place to start. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with how you feeling uh, regarding Celtic. Regarding it's been a tumultuous week or two. There's been a lot of games. There's been a lot of highs. There's been a lot of lows. Uh, I mean, Lille itself was a, a game of highs and lows, a roller coaster. How are you feeling with everything, Brian? Uh, regarding Celtic, Neil Lennon, the players, etc. I suppose you're feeling quite good just now after feeling so low. So Thursday night was was good. It was a good to be picked me up again. Um, it's been a funny week, and you know, as we were all still bitterly disappointed the way things were, especially after last Sunday. But then you do take things into context again. You know, the last four games have been two big European ties, um, big game at home, and then a game at um, away to Aberdeen, which is never easy at the best of times. So in context. We've probably overreacted to an extent, even though we can drill down into how poorly some of the performances were. So staying on the positive, Thursday night was good for huge parts. There is, again, still some concerns there probably, but we'll just gloss over them and just stay on the positive and uh, look forward to reaching the final after after Sunday. Uh, Alan, same question. How are you feeling? I think there was a lot of encouragement from, from Thursday night. I, I think we can all see that. There's a really good side you've went and got a result against that keeps you alive in that group. So I'm pretty pleased with that. Um, and you're hoping that we've reached our lowest ebb. You know, the idea that you're going to go through a season without having rough parts, you know, is is, is very 2016 probably. Um, we just need to make sure that that is the lowest ebb and we don't get anywhere near that again. And I think I'd say that I'm really pleased that Thursday tomorrow and Thursday again aren't league games. I'm quite happy, actually, because we need to set that aside and find some form. Um, don't get me wrong, lose tomorrow will be you know, catastrophic, but I'll be very, very pleased that it's not a league game. Um, so I'm glad we've got a wee bit of time to try and work things out a little. Um, but there was enough on Thursday to, to give hope, and, and that's that's what that is. Um, so hopefully build on that tomorrow. I'm feeling quite confident about it, but we'll, we'll get into the specifics of the game a wee bit later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, I, I, if you do look at it in isolation, if you take the last week and you break it down to someone, you know, you take, just take take it in isolation, sit them in a room and say, here are four results from Celtic. How does that make you feel? How does that make you look? And you look at a defeat to Rangers, a defeat to AC Milan, um, a, a draw with Aberdeen conceding in the last minute and then a two-each draw with Leo who are a fantastic side in you know, the French League. People in isolation, as, as Brian rightly says, people would look at that and think, well, you know, the, you know, the loss to the Angels is bitterly disappointing. But just looking at the results, 
you know, people can make a case for us not being too far off track. However, this isn't, we're not looking at it in isolation is, is the thing. You, we, we can't look at it in isolation. We need to look at the big picture. Um, I'm encouraged by the performance in Lille. I was kind of blown away by the performance in Lille, specifically the first half. Um, I mean, we did drop off a little bit, but that's to be expected regarding the fact that we're away from home. Lille are a very, very well-drilled side. Um, so, understandable. But not too much has changed for me personally um, and how I'm feeling because I, last week was, was, was... I still think back to that Rangers game and I know we should get over it and I know Alan said draw a line under it and I totally understand that, but it's hard not to think about it. But this game is weird because it's a semi-final from last year. Brian, what's the what's the feeling on semi-finals? And obviously, we've done so well in the cup this season, but the, these circumstances again just add a different kind of dimension to everything. Yeah, uh, to an extent, I suppose uh, it's a bit weird playing it this season when it should have been obviously last season. Celtic have been fantastic, and I can't remember what is this. We're unbeaten in what. 30 odd cup games or something ridiculous like that yeah. um, um, semi-finals I, I suppose is something you don't necessarily look forward to because they can be so devastating I know I've you know, been to some that you're just you can't believe you've, you've lost like Hearts and I think St Mirren beat us in a semi Kilmarnock um, but no I'm looking forward to Sunday particularly after last last weekend where obviously we're not neutral but if you just look at it as a game of football it was a really good game of football Um there was obviously a lot of low points in it um, and we really need to step it up. But there's a lot of encouragement from what's happened during the week, not just Thursday, but on the back of the way learning came out during the week. Um, and again, you can sort of pick holes at that with possibly the content of some of the um, some of what you come away with. But in general terms, you know, try to galvanise everyone, look out for the players. Maybe, maybe it worked to an extent and it's building that sort of siege mentality. Um, and certainly they, they did look a different team at parts um, in Thursday night, which I think stands as in good stead going into, into tomorrow. Alan, why do you think they look like a different team? Because as Brian really points out, everyone kind of knew, looked like they knew what they were doing. Is it the opposition? Is it how the opposition play, which is obviously very, very different from, you know, a low block, a kind of counter-attacking team? Is it just that we're going to be perform better when we've got more space and there's bigger gaps to run into? I, th I think the important thing is that it's a different type of game. Um, and I think Christian kind of covered it fairly well um, when he identified that, that that doesn't really lend you too much in the way of a game plan for, say, tomorrow or you know our next league games because teams aren't going to have that much of the ball. They're not probably going to be as open and allow themselves to be countered that quickly. But what it does is I think it gives the players massive confidence. I think there's maybe a tendency to overstate that. But at the moment, that that really is something the players need and it's what the manager needs. Um, I think the performance was better. I still think at times there was a we were a bit naive in terms of, you know, we're pressing the gaps between central midfielders and allowing them to find space but it was a, a much more professional performance in terms of coaching and game plan than we've seen from Celtic certainly since we came back from lockdown and that that's a positive and you'll take that any kind of positive at the moment will take I'm probably similar to you as well though Gal in terms of 
I'm happy. I'm looking forward. But, it, you know, even if we would have held out and won that game, it, it still doesn't, you know, it doesn't wipe clean the slate from what has been a really, really poor start to the season. The only way it works is if you do now go on a run. And that's what we, I think personally, we need to do that. I don't think that's something you say, well, that would be great. I think it's essential because I do feel like we really need to win consistently in the league. And we're going to have to do that in a tough run of games. And looking ahead to, you know, we've got Rangers on the 2nd of January. Everybody's looking ahead to that. Realistically, I think you don't really have much room for error or margin for error going into that. And it's a pretty congested time. If you can get through this Hibs and Motherwell rut, though, these two away games, you've actually got not a bad run all the way through to that Rangers game. And I think, realistically, if you want the league to be in your hands and you don't want the, to have to be going into maybe the, the second to last, the last game against Rangers needing a win, you you really need to win all these games now up to that. And that's a big ask. And it's, that's the challenge now for these players. But it's a good start. Thursday's a positive, and I think you can take massive confidence if you then have a Scottish Cup final to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, that's something, another bright spark. You know, winning that trophy really could brighten the supporters' point of view, but it also could really galvanise the squad. And I know these are all cliches, but, you know, in a lot of ways they're cliches for a reason because they keep coming back and they keep needing to be used. Um, Brian... Lennon's reaction in the press conference, we, we, we've kind of, we've touched on that. Um, the players have responded in a, in a way that is obviously very positive. Do you think it's about how, do you, essentially what, what I'm trying to say is, do you think he's changed a lot in terms of how he's coaching? Or do you think it's just same again and it's just about the personal touch? Like what has changed really, do you think, since Sunday that they got such a good performance out of them? That's really difficult because I think Lennon, if you were asked to Lennon, ask Neil Lennon, he would probably say nothing's changed. Yeah. Um, because he's continuously saying, you know, and I think he kind of had a go, certainly the go at the media um, during the week um, and obviously implying people think that they just sort of turn up, they're amateur, they don't do any analysis, they don't really do any training um, and that's why they've been minced for the biggest part of the season. So likelihood is they haven't changed very much. I think for a lot, a lot of these previews we've done and even a lot of the the podcasts we've done over the past few um, weeks and months, we've all been kind of looking for a turning point. We all know that there's been poor performances and you think, you know, was it the Hibs game and then we fell flat after that? Maybe Thursday is the turning point we need. And like Alan said, we really need to go on a run. Otherwise, Thursday's performance is just as pointless. You know, you're just going to throw it away. Um, and if we do go on a run, the last Rangers game, you probably will forget about it because then we're going to, you know, have a bit of impetus going into the 2nd of January. So I totally agree with what Alan said. We need to now sort of galvanise and start winning games, um, doing it consistently, but also stepping up the level of performance as well. Uh, do you think the uh, Alan? Do you think the opposition and the fact that it's at Hamden is going to help us on Sunday? Well, it's a it's been a happy hunting ground in the you know the last four or five years for us, um, or four years rather. Whereas before that, Hamden was a place that held nothing but bad memories for me, yeah. to be honest. Um, so I think that's good. I think, you know, what Aberdeen... I think the the one big thing, you know, if you come in and you, you get a win, uh, you know, you're sitting, the players are in the dressing room after the game, 
I think it makes it quite easier for Neil Lennon because I think he can then say, especially if you've put in a really controlled performance and you dominate the game and you win it, I think Neil Lennon can come in and say, you know, after that Aberdeen game, that, that is the point of the season where it's changed because within the space of a week, you've given a completely different performance and you've shown everyone what you're capable of. And, you know, not just... And when I say showing everyone what you're capable of, I think for these players, it's not about showing me, you, you know, supporters, anybody. It's about showing themselves and getting that wee bit of that belief back in themselves because they are low in confidence. There's no question of that. And I think the only way that you can build that confidence back up, it's not by looking back and saying, look what we did last year. You know, it's about just saying, look how well I played in that last game. Because then suddenly you come off the park, you go home, you feel so much better about yourself and it just the winning feeling from any game of football I think for a professional must be the fuel you know it's if you're going into Thursday night after a good performance on Sunday you, you'll be dying for it to come round you know and training just becomes second nature to you um, and the, the feeling you get off that the buzz that comes from that it's, I don't know it's it's probably hard to kind of it's hard to get another feeling like it Um and I think if they can get that back, then it suddenly st- everything becomes easier. Then absolutely everything becomes easier. Yeah, um, Chris Boyd seems to be have something that you know. What's what's wrong with that guy, Alan? I, I I bet you can guarantee if Sky had the rights to the Scottish Cup, he wouldn't be saying that. He's he's not involved. He's it's just predictable. I mean, it really is. Isn't you know, it? I like what he said. I've missed this. Um, basically, Chris Boyd said, what's the point of the Scottish Cup semi-finals? Um, he basically went on to say that, you know, this was marketed to us, uh, that there'd be fans in the stadium and that, you know, it was about money being generated. Uh, so it just seems pointless now. Rangers are going to love this because it means they can go ahead of Celtic, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if Celtic, if Celtic and the SFA don't fulfil these fixtures, they owe money to the broadcasters they have to fulfill these fixtures it's a con- it's a contractual agreement and he's like i don't know why they're doing it you know what i mean he's from air or somewhere i don't know that's just my generic i, I can i can see why you you um you get the the can from the accents on a peak football i tell you that shut up <laughs> holiday cover only yeah <laughs> I, I was gonna start i was gonna do the ken thing like ken because i just assume anyone who's outside of glasgow says ken like do you know what i mean um, but there you go. But no, I just it's it's Chris Boyd just being Chris Boyd, and you know, again, we shouldn't react to it, but also we should just pin the tail on the donkey. Do you know what I mean? Because what a twat, Brian. Just... Do you know what I really hate about Chris? But this weird pocket he's got in his jacket when he's on doing the analysis. I don't know if he's like, it's like a Napoleon thing. He always puts his hand like quite it's quite high up on his chest. We we man we man syndrome. Aye, aye, pretty much. Aye, that, that's a great analogy. Yes, we. Very wee. <laughs> hey, probably. listen, that's just, yep, we. Another, another visual joke from Alan there, <laughs> storm. Let's not, let's not describe it, let's not describe it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the Scottish Cup semi-final. Uh, I mean, the idea of having a, a Scottish Cup in December, Scottish Cup final is obviously a bit crazy, but, you know, could be fun, could be, uh, could be... Something to look forward to. Um, but let's think about how Celtic, how we think Celtic are going to line up. That Hammond organ you 
sort of purchase is really paying off. Well done, Gil. Uh, that was uh, the fine work of Paul Carlin. Uh, and the title of that track is Finish This? Question <laughs> mark. So I, I don't think he named it, but that, that, that's the old Finish This. Um, right, so obviously we had the game against Lille. The biggest thing to come away from that is the injury to Christopher Ayer. Um, so Neil Lennon went on to say that uh, after the game that he is clearly a doubt for Sunday. They're not ruling him out, but he's a big doubt for Sunday and it looks like it's a bit of a groin injury. Alan, how much of a, you know, how much of a nightmare is this for Neil Lennon considering the lack of defensive cover we've got? Well, it's, it's massive. It really is. Um, it, it, Chris Ayer's been really good this season as well. Um, he's, he's been excellent actually especially in that, that kind of last couple of weeks his performance against Milan was a high point of that fixture um, so it's it's a scary prospect I, I'm probably a wee bit more comfortable with it today than I was on Thursday night because I've seen him kind of clutching at the groin and, and I thought well, that's a you know that's a terror appeal because he looked really really uncomfortable but it sounds as if it's more of a tweak um, which is massive you know the difference between that you know you're talking a month potentially difference between a tweak and a pull so I think it's good I would be under I wouldn't even want to see him on the bench tomorrow um, if, if he has got a week and a slight knock there we've got a lot of games these type of injuries you, you might see them you know tired muscles towards the end of games you know what if he's not available just, just rule him out have him rested give him a kind of recovery plan and just work with, you know, near Beaton, Stephen Welsh if need be. The season's too big to be trying to ask players to play through the pain barrier. I know it's a Scottish Cup semi-final. I want to win it more than anything, but not at the risk of jeopardising the season. Um, so it's unfortunate, but, you know, have him at home watching, um, laid up on the sofa recovering. That, that would be my my hope, to be honest. Uh, Brian, um, obviously we've got... Barkas is uh, seems to have recovered. He's obviously not got you know he didn't play on Thursday. We discussed Bain. Uh, we've discussed discussed him in the last couple of games. What what's your take on Bain? Is the Bain the type of guy that you would give him a shot now, or would you be quick to bring Barkas in? What's your what's your kind of thoughts? I think Bain's a decent number two, but if Barkas is fit, I would put him back in again. Um, if Barkas is fit, and you can say that again. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> If Barkas is fit and you continue with Bain, I think it's a bit of a kick in the teeth to Barkas. Um, Bain's okay, but then again, he can be a bit dodgy, shall we say, um, as he proved on Thursday night. So no, if Barkas is fit, he goes back in for me. Uh, what about yourself, Alan? Barkas or Bain? Again, I, I want to highlight, I do think Bain has a lot of qualities. It's just within the same game. He's, he's actually inconsistent within games, let alone game on game time. You should just record that disclaimer so you can just press the button and save you saying it every week. Um, I think when a goalie saves a penalty in a game, I, I think it's hard to drop him, to be honest. And I think Barkas probably is the clear number one. Um, but let's let's be honest, his form hasn't been great since he came in. He hasn't hit the ground running at all. Scott Bain came in and I think saving a penalty is like one of those things a goalkeeper. See if you do it and you come away, you know... A, I just think in terms of competition, if you're trying to foster proper competition between your goalkeepers, I think dropping Scott Bain out Thursday to Sunday, I think it's a big call. I do. And if you need to go back to Scott Bain at a later date, you know, 
it's a hard one for him. It'd be a tough conversation, and it's a big man management call. Um, and Neil Lennon can be good at man management, um, especially with players that he's interested and engaged in. Uh, I think that's maybe the wee, the wee caveat there. Um, so I, I would probably expect to see Scott Bain um, and goals again tomorrow, if I'm honest. I, I mean, I, I get I get what you're saying, and I understand, but you've brought this guy in. He's only played, he's not even played, what, 10 games? I, I just think you need to give him a run, even though he's not he's not done anything horrifically wrong, but he hasn't hit the set the header light either. He's not looked strong. He's not looked as powerful or as commanding as we w- we'd want from our number one. But without a run of games, I don't know how he's going to get there. I mean, do you know? I mean, like the angle, I guess, could be this is a game from last season, so why not give it to Scott Bain? Give him this and give him the cup final as a sort of. Uh, sorry, uh, that was very pre- presumptuous. If we get to the cup final, <laughs> give him the semi and give him potentially the cup final as a sort of, well, you've earned it, but maybe bring Barkas back. I think but I think that you see a lot of clubs do that. It's very vogue, isn't it? You know, have their number two goalkeeper for the League Cup and, you know, Scottish Cups or whatever. Um, but I think the thing with, I think the proximity of the games as well, he did do well on Thursday night, and I know people talk about the one where he dropped it, in, and absolutely, you know, that was an error. But you save a penalty, you come away with a positive result, you were you were a part of that. I think to get dropped on Sunday, I, 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 I don't think he would be delighted with that, and I think he would have fair reason to be pretty pissed off, in all honesty. So, Barkas will be the number one, and I think if you were to drop him out again, maybe for Thursday night, potentially or a couple of weeks later. I think Scott Bain probably understands that. I think he seems like a pretty pragmatic guy. I think to do it tomorrow, though, right off the back of that performance on Thursday, I'm not sure it's the right call. Um, and, I, and it's what I don't expect Neil Lennon to make. There's plenty of football left for Vasilis Barkas to come in. He had an injury. I'm, I'm sure he's kind of recovering well from that now, and that's great. But Thursday into Sunday, I think it just seems very quick to make the decision, right, I'm, I'm bringing Barkas in, who hasn't hit the ground running. And we all expected him to. We all said, sat here and said, in terms of scouting, in terms of it's probably the best profile of goalkeeper we probably could have got in the circumstances. But he really hasn't hit the ground running yet. I think you said he's not done anything horrendously wrong, Gal. I don't know. I, I I still think the first goal against Rangers was absolutely criminal for a goalkeeper. I know it's not through the legs he's dropped it. Yeah. To not get a, to not even be able to touch the ball, for me it was criminal. And he's he's going to have to improve. And I think maybe a spell on the sidelines is the way. I know you're saying that you know working it. He'll need to learn that if he doesn't perform, then there is another option there. And sometimes it's a hard lesson, but. I'm not Scott Bain's biggest fan, but if he did well on Thursday, I think he keeps a jersey for Sunday. That's just my, my own opinion. I know a lot of people, I think more people probably agree with yourself than will with me, but I just think in terms of fostering competition in a squad, sometimes you just need to let it play out. There's another big positive about Bain, and I, you know this is something we genuinely can't overlook. Positive? Positive P-A-W? <laughs> Very good, like goalkeepers, pause, cats. Um, what I was going to say, Alan, before I was so really interrupted, is the massive thing about Scott Bain, and this is a, like a genuine thing, and I've been thinking about this for for, for quite a while, is uh, he told Neil McCann to fuck up. So, is that good enough? Is that what you want from a, a number one, um, Brian McManus? Do you want a number one to tell Neil McCann to fuck up? 
Thoughts? I want that from number one right through to 11. And anyone else that comes in any sort of vicinity, anyone we can. So, I, yeah, well you, done, Scott Bain. If Christian, if you can do some sort of diagram, even if it's just like dots and dashes on a gra- on graph sheets and it's just fuck up Neil McCann. <laughs> I tell you what, if Barkas had said that, I would be sitting here saying, get him back <laughs> in. <laughs> um, I, no, listen, I, I don't, I, I'm not saying that with ease about Barkas coming in because um, I get why, I think, I actually think Neil, um, fucking hell, uh, Neil McCann was going to say, I think uh, Neil Francis Lennon will put Bain in and go for Sunday and you know, see if he has a really good game on Sunday where he doesn't make any mistakes and, you know, he's thingy. it gets harder and harder to drop him. And I completely understand that. So if he continues and he continues and, you know, he doesn't do a lot wrong, then I think it'll become harder and harder for, for uh, Neil Lennon to, to, to take him out. But, you know, we'll see. Um, it's it's an interesting one to have. We've got El Hamed back. We've got Bitons back. Obviously, Bitton took part in the, the game uh, against Leo, what what's your thinking on the back line, Brian? Um, obviously, Shane Duffy's in like a weird spiral of mistakes and lack of concentration. And I think Christian highlighted on the lunch club yesterday about him instead of taking a step back and being like, "Let's just play it simple." He goes and he tries. Oh, Alan's shaking his head. I love it. Um, he's shaking his head. What what's your problem with that? Alan? Christian's critique on the lunch club of the game, I think, was fairly accurate. I think discussing the back line and the line itself is a is a problem that goes back pre Shane Duffy, and it hasn't improved since Shane Duffy came in. We're all over the place. We've got the centre halves with sometimes a ten yard gap, and it's worked both ways. I think Chris Ayer, because he's quicker, will sometimes drop off because he knows he might have to cover. And I know he has done that and he's done it well. Our line, though, as in terms of a back four, is non-existent. Um, and you could pick out a million examples of it. Um, Thursday is an example of it, and the defending was poor, no question. But that's an overarching problem that needs solved. And the way you do that is by you need each defender beside each other to trust them, um, whether they're good, bad, or otherwise. If that's your four, they need to communicate and and there's, that's not happening at the moment. And that's that along with the indiscriminate pressing that we do are two of the biggest, um, for me, they're two of the biggest drivers um, against us. They're two of the easiest things for teams to exploit. So I think it's an overarching thing. I probably wouldn't be too quick to pick out specific examples because it's going to be a long playlist of videos, that's for sure. Uh, Brian, obviously we've discussed the fact that you you know you've uh, got some coaching experience and stuff. And what Alan's saying there about the idea that you know the line as a whole hasn't been working very well can also help the fact that we're going from a three to a four and personnel changes. Is it really just not that simple? Because it's not that simple. But is it a case of? The reason we're not playing so well is because of one, two, and three, or is it a bigger problem? Is it just personnel and formation switches? I suppose we don't really know because we haven't had any sort of consistency. Um, we've pretty much changed. If, if we had two games in a row where we've had the same team, um, 
are even the same formation. We constantly change it up. So we haven't had any sort of fluidity or even an opportunity to, to sort of assess what works best. Um, I agree with Alan, though, it's not Shane Duffy's fault in terms of no. he's literally just in the door. This has been, you know, a problem for a while. There is there is problems defensively at Celtic. And it, we've seen it, you know, a lot of games, no matter what sort of formation we play. But I think we've also, you, you want a sort of, particularly your back four or, or five, including your goalie, you, you want consistency there. You want them to be able to trust each other, understand each other um, and build up relationships. And we've, we've not had an opportunity to do that yet. I feel bad for Shane Duffy because I think he's probably, he's now at that stage where he might be trying too hard. Some of the things he's trying to come away with where his head's probably not in the right place and it's just not working. I mean, that, if you call it a tackle, where he give away the, the penalty that wasn't a, or shouldn't have been a penalty on Thursday night. It, it was just kind of clumsy and would he normally, he's, he's normally somebody that would probably jockey a player for a bit and for some reason he's, it looked like he kind of stumbled. It was a bit weird. Um, so I do feel bad for him. You don't go from being relatively decent to just like you say he's on a spiral and there has to be a point where he maybe just has a you know a game you don't really notice him would be good you know and he hasn't done anything stupid or nothing's broke off him like even I think the, um, was it during the week where it was a kind of not an own goal but the, the goal deflected off him to go in yeah. um, so even we things like that where it's just when it's just not going away yeah. yeah and I think that's more to do with it when that rather than being, you know, just an absolute cart horse, I think there's clearly a player there. We maybe just need a wee bit of patience with him. Alan, I, I think on Shane Duffy, he's he's had a stinker, you know, particularly the last few weeks, and he's really got to work on that and improve on that. I, I see it a lot, but for a player like him, he needs to simplify the game. Um, he needs to do the the basic things that he can do. He needs to. We need to not give the ball into his feet and ask him to build play. I want to see Shane Duffy taking very limited touches in the ball, if any. And when he does, I want to see him putting it, you know, high up the park, heading it back. Can, can I, can that, I, that's about it. Can I jump in for a second? All right, sorry. No, go on. Finish, finish your point. But, but just on to your kind of original question about, you know, I mentioned the indiscriminate press and the line, the gaps between players at times. The, these are things that we can see. That there, there might be a lot of things because you're saying, is it just that? But what what you've got to work on and what the coaching team have got to work on is trying to cut these things down. You know, you might have a list of eight or nine things that you want to work on. You've really got to pick one or two at a time and say, right, you know, let's get rid of this. You pick the most important ones, you know, like players going and pressing the goalkeeper. You know, sometimes if you're on the front foot, it's fine. But see when teams are playing around you, see instead of going and pressing the goalkeeper, just stand off. You know, save yourself the 20-yard run. Um, little things like that, you know. And I think mainly against Leila it was better, but there's still loads there. And that's what you've got to do. You've just got to start ticking these one off at a time, right? Can we get the back line a little bit narrower, a little bit tighter when we're non-possession? Yes. Then that will hopefully, you know, that will start cutting away cheap goals, cheap opportunities. The game starts to become a wee bit easier then, you know. And it's not going to be a case of we do one thing and it's going to fix everything. But see if you start ticking these wee things off and say, look, we've worked on that. We're going to try and improve on that as one thing, then move on to the next. That, that's about the can, can idea of continuous development. And especially when it's big and obvious things like that, I just don't like seeing it from a team like Celtic. We're, we're the best team in the country. We shouldn't be looking, we shouldn't have people looking at it saying, by the way, we, we don't look well coached. And Neil Lennon was very, very clear in his answer about that. And that's great. And it's great to hear that fight and talk. One way to stop people saying that, though, and it's make your team a lot 
much more compact, a lot more organised and have a clear, defined way of playing because then you're not going to get the questions at the press conference you don't want. Yeah, I think what I was going to bring up was, you know, you're talking about you don't want Shane Duffy to come out with the ball. You don't want him to make these passes. Why was that happening, though? Like, if, 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 we, can, if we can sit here and, you know, I don't know that much about, you know, tactical football, uh, you know, ability or st- and stuff. And and that's obviously where, where Alan and Christian and, and Brian, you, you guys genuinely come in and, and shed light on it. I'm just here to ask the questions. But if I can see that... Shane Duffy's hitting long balls game after game for four games in a row and they're not connecting and it's going on for four games. I mean, that so that that's that's what I'm confused about. The fact that if I can sit here and say, well, that's not Shane Duffy's game. So, Brian, that's where, that's where as fans, we are sitting here saying, well, hold, hold on a minute. We, we can see the strengths of this guy and his weaknesses and you're making him do stuff that he's not really designed to do. So, you know, that's where the question marks come from, right? Absolutely. And I don't think you have to be any sort of coach or tactical genius to be able to see that. It's it's as clear as the, the nose in your face. It's uh, It was a bizarre thing. I mean, Celtic have a style and a way of playing um, that obviously has developed from the back and you are relying on your, you know, your back line to, to be comfortable on the ball. Um, but there has to be a point where if, if you're, you know, it was usually Taylor, it was it was seemed to be targeting Greg Taylor when they were playing together and the balls he was making were just horrendous. There was a, maybe one out of eight that would maybe come off. Um, but I mean, we've seen players make bad passes, you know, it happens, it's, it's not that big a deal. But some of them, you know, there was one, I can't remember what the game it was, where he... I don't even. I think he was aiming long diagonal and Sitting it kind of didn't even reach the halfway line and went out of the dugout. It's like... Aye. It just looks really, really poor. Um, but see, if, see when that doesn't work for that, what the like the the first game, right? It doesn't work, and then for the second game, it doesn't work. Is that not when you sit down, you look at the analysis, and you go, "Oh, well, this isn't working." And maybe he's really good at it in training, and they go into a game and go, "Right, big Shane's going to ping these long diagonals," and then it doesn't work. But and you, it's like, "All ah, right, fuck." Do you know what I mean? When they're sitting down with the video analysis, and they're like, "Okay, well, that this is a this is a." part of the game that's not working for us we need to work on this we need to switch it up we need to change it that's what should be happening Alan yeah it should I, I, I don't want to add a kind of really hot hipster take because uh, his technique's really good his, his technique is very good he's just got absolutely no sense of direction on it the way he cuts across the ball is excellent I mean you know it's the right idea He's just not executing it. So, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard lesson for, for him. It's a, it should be a very clear lesson for us and how to build a play as well. And we don't have the option of taking him out the firing line at the moment. And so he, he will start tomorrow. And I, I think everybody knows that Shane Duffy is a better player than what we've seen. Yeah, You, you need to build a, a way of playing though or adapt your style t- to suit the skills that he has and to make sure that his deficiencies really aren't shown up as clearly as they have been because that's what we've seen so far we've seen the deficiencies we want to see more of what he's good at so you know that that's that's a more challenging thing because then you're talking about changing your style of play and it's just if he can do that and that's something that does take a wee bit longer uh we had stats corner last week in the preview for for aberdeen oh, since then we've obviously played the aberdeen game which finished three h um if you can go back and listen to that and still pick up little bits uh from that from an Aberdeen perspective, uh, Brian, what impressed you last week, um, and what kind of what did they do that made you think, "Oh, that's something we need to look out for this week"? 
Uh, that boy Lewis Ferguson's good at penalties. He's not great at anything else, but he's good at penalties. Um, it's just Aberdeen at Petrodi. They've clearly been playing a bit of a different style. Um, they've got some decent players. Um, I think we did see last week the boy Wright. I think is is good, even though he didn't play the full game. I think he's he's a good player. Um, Cause chaos when he came on, I thought. Yeah, he's the you know they're they're, they're decent this season. Um, the five players that have been there for a while, they're bedded in. Um, but I think one of the big things for us tomorrow is probably Aberdeen will probably have a bit of confidence in the back of last weekend, which I think might be good for us because they were playing, they played really well last week. We we were okay at parts, um, but I think Aberdeen's sort of they they'll be up for this tomorrow, um, and they might be just getting ahead of themselves a wee bit. They were okay last week, but Aberdeen don't tend to do that two weeks in a row. Uh, Brian, sorry, Alan. Um... There were some really good individual performances from Aberdeen last week. There was some kind of bright sparks. Um, anyone from the, the you saw that really took your fancy? I think the boy Hedges, um, especially as the game went on and it started to get more open and stretched, actually showed quite a lot of quality. And he's, I think, I, I don't want to sound patronising here, but he was. He looked like he'd been Derek McInnes a wee bit in terms of he'd been shoehorned into a maybe a non-natural position. But what he did was as the game went on and it gets harder as the game goes on but he, he put his foot in the ball and started to show a bit of quality um, something I probably haven't seen from him I, I haven't watched Aberdeen a phenomenal amount in terms of to, to make judgments on each individual player but you know having watched him and looked at them ahead of last week I, I didn't really think Hedges was the type of player that when he came in field would create and really get involved but he actually did his running caused a problem running off the ball caused a problem um, so I think you need to be aware of that. I think they're a well-organised side, but there is a, a lot of space to play against. Um, and I think there was enough last week to show that we can both control the game and build. And I think tomorrow's going to be, in terms of the progression of our season, I think it's going to be a better bellwether than Thursday night. You know, Thursday night's great against the top side, but the reality is, can we create and work openings against the side who are going to be more naturally sitting deeper and that might sound dull but that's the reality of what we face in Scotland so that's what we're going to have to be a little bit more dynamic with so Thursday was good real positive you're not going to get teams that are going to you know have more possession than you by 70 to 30 it's going to be the other way about and what can you do with the ball when teams are sitting deep and it's the same problem that we face we just need to start finding solutions to it Finding solutions, absolutely. Um, you know, I thought one of the best perform- we were I think we were debating this about Moyle Yunusi. Um or it was certainly debated in the last couple of podcasts, but you know, his best performance uh was against Leo. I still go back to that game against Tibbs in the semi final of the League Cup last year, where he scored two. He was uh, fantastic. Very just brilliant. Everything he did touched that night, turned to gold, he got two goals. Um he was Absolutely brilliant. Obviously, the game against Lille, bigger pitch, more space. Hamden, compared to Petaudry, certainly, bigger pitch, more space, more freedom. Is this being teed up, Brian, to be where Moy Ilyanusi again kind of stamps his authority on Hamden? Hopefully. Um, I think he's brilliant. I, I really like Moy. Um, and I know he's on loan again, but I would love us, love us to sign him. Um, I would have him in my team. Uh, you know, all the time. I think he's he's great. He's he's obviously had a bit of criticism, but again, 
we're up against teams where he said literally zero, zero time on the ball. He's getting, you know, a um, couple of men on him at all times. That chance he had against Rangers was obviously just a poor finish, but again, that happens. We've seen it before. Um, hopefully, again, he kicks on, but you need him to have a run in the team. Um, again, we've been moving him about. He's been playing in different positions. He's yeah. been dropping out the team. Um, if you want, you know, a consistent performances from him, just just keep him in the team, play him in a role that he he thrives in. Um, and yeah, I think he'll be I think he'll be great for us. I think him and Ayeti worked really well together on Thursday. Um, I know Ayeti maybe came in for a wee bit of criticism, but I thought I thought he was great as well. Alan? I, I think Brian Spawn. I, I thought Ayeti was a it was a good performance from someone who's clearly not match fit yet. Um, it's a tough shift up there as a lone striker yeah. you know it really is especially when you don't have as much of the ball but I thought he did well um, I know he was offside for um, he was quite clearly offside but I think the, the link up between him and Moy was was really good and it was a very nice tidy finish as well so there was enough there for me you know in terms of improvement for Ayeti you've just reminded me though uh, I, I can't believe I didn't bring it up in fact a scandalous um, remark on, on the lunch club on Friday this week was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Christian talking about how Moy gives you so much more than James Forrest. I mean, I like Moy, but he's, he's, he's rewriting history here. I, I wonder if it's getting to do with the fact that he's Norwegian, but I mean, come on. James Forrest's record has been incredible. He started talking about how Moy gives you much more defensively. Magic. Well, looking at our left, left and right wingers and seeing who can give us more defensively. James Forrest's record speaks for itself. And I think Christian maybe just got a wee bit excited there. Um, you know, I, I need to pick up him on that actually. I can't believe it when I heard that. I'll, I'll tell you, I've, I've been critical of uh, James Forrest over the years, um, but I've given him praise when he's deserved it. And I, I do think he's a guy that is far too much maligned by some sections of our support. Um, and he gives he gives a lot of great qualities moving forward. And I think he's a massive miss just now. Um, well, you, well, you'd be dying to have him in that dressing room now that we've been back to four two three one. that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I liked... I felt it was a wee bit unfair as well in start of the week when Christian, I feel like I'm just going all in here, but you you know what, you come for James Forrest, you don't expect him to keep coming back. Um, but he talked about how James Forrest um, most backwards passes. He does play very high up the park and he does have a hell of a lot of the ball. I don't know how often as one of the highest players up the park who he's expecting to pass in front of. Aye. You know, because he either takes his man off. People get obsessed because James Forrest goes back the way. James Forrest waits for the opening and then likes to link up with players. A lot of the time that involves a slightly angled pass Alan's into the, the number here. 10. He's loving it. That's, yeah, it's great. Well, if, you're use, if you're going to use stats and you're going to use stats and make an insinuation about someone, <laughs> put them into context so that we can get the real picture. I have literally just Love written that down. Typical stats, no context. I've, I've wrote it down. Yeah. Exactly. Totally behind you, Alan. Tell you what. My shoulders feel much better now. I've got that shit right off. Oh, oh, it does feel like a turning point. <laughs> um, but no, I right. Let's let's look at our team for 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 this week. I, but actually, before we do that, Brian does make a good point regarding Moy and Ayeti. Play them together. Play them. If they're going to play, and that you want that. If you want Moy to get some form, play him. If you want a Yeti to get, I thought a Yeti was good on on against Lille as well. Some of the criticism was just, frankly, bizarre. Um, but you know, Chris Sutton, um, you know, he has his he has his ways. Uh, four two three one. 
Uh, back four. Right, so Alan saying Bain and goals. Who yourself, Brian, is Alan giving you a con- convincing argument that Neil Lennon might go with Bain and goals? He's given a convincing argument, but picking somebody on the basis of a lucky penalty save, then um, yeah. um, no, I wouldn't. Second I wouldn't point. go for that. That's a Barkas back here. Barkas is fit, fully fit. I'd have have him in goal. Uh, Alan Edgar's just flashed up a picture of Odds and Edward. I totally forgot about him. Uh, <laughs> so. yeah, you get yourself excited there about playing Eddie. Eddie with his eye razor. Oh, God, that. Jesus. Um, this is where you'd want 3 5 2. <laughs> so you could play a Yeti oh, and fucking Edward. But no, it'll be 4 2 3 1. We're pretty convinced on that. Our, a variation of 4 2 3 1 or 4 3 3. Um, but let's Are start. Are we convinced on that? Are we really? Just based on the number of players we've got fit? Well, if he plays... Oh, okay. Well, that's a... a, a well, no, I think we will. I'm just asking why you're convinced. Because I don't think we've got enough cover to play three yeah. at the back. I think if you play three at the back and you get one injury, um, you can go to a back four, but then if something else... Ha- you know, Stephen Welsh, I think, is too much too soon from that young man. I don't think he's... It's, it's went beyond on-the-job training to... It's. I think it's too much pressure. I think he needs to not be... A first choice, you know, defensive pick for us just now because I think I think he's I think he's done well when he's played. I don't think he's made too many mistakes, but you don't want to smash the boys' confidence, specifically in that position in that role. Um, but let's okay. So let's say uh, Brian says Barkas and goal. Alan says Bain. You're back four. The two fullbacks pick themselves. Jeremy Frimpong and uh, Diego Lacks out. Um, Greatest human in the history of the world. Alan's doing a wee, he's doing a wee side to side thing. What's your thoughts? He just flashed up a picture of Greg Taylor. Calm down <laughs> with that phone, Alan. Well, I just wonder if you know Jeremy Frimpong's played a hell of a lot of football. Um, you know, I think the the one positive of El Hamid being back is that you now have the option of, you know, I, I, of course I would start Frimpong, but you know, but again we're doing this thing where we're going to have Thursday, Sunday, know, Thursday, Sunday for eight, ten, twelve weeks. You need to be thinking about using the squad and it's the same in the other side with Greg Taylor and Daigle Lacks out as well so at some point you're, you are going to have to give some guys rest and it's just when that comes um, Lacks out. I, I'm not saying it will be tomorrow but it's it's something you need to be aware of Laxalt's played a lot of football in a very short period of time considering he hasn't played so long before that um, and you're right about Frimpong he's playing a lot of games and he is still young problem being I, I don't think you can play El Hamid tomorrow, even if he's fit. I, I don't definitely don't think you can start him. So there's just no really a, a, any other option, Alan. Well, I, I did think, and it's easy behind sight. I, I did think last week at Petodre, I felt that it might have been a smart move for the last five six minutes to look at Stephen Welsh um, and at that right back slot. Now we did the scout report and he played, um, not scout report. I think we looked at Stephen Welsh a while back. Mean Christian, and he played a lot there when he was um, on loan, and and it it wasn't a position that he was great in because going forward he wasn't great. But see, as somebody tucking in beside a right, uh, you know, a right centre half, see for 10, 15 minutes, I think he would do a a decent job. And I'm surprised that he didn't go to that last week. You know, with Aberdeen going along with it, a more natural defender. And I think maybe tomorrow, if you're in that position again, I know we're short at centre-halves, but if you need someone for five, ten minutes to shore up that, you know, the defence, I, th- I think Stephen Welsh would be able to tuck in nice and tight beside that right-sided centre-half and say, you know, I'm happy with the game in front. You know, 
not a problem at all. No stick I'm style. a wee bit surprised they didn't do it. No stick style, like that sort of, you know, as the other fullback bombs on. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but regarding starting, Frimpong, Laxalt, Ayer and Bitton, would we all agree that's where it'll be? No. Sorry, sorry, um, Duff. Duffy and Bitton. Yeah, Duffy and Bitton, would we all agree that's where it'll be, Brian, yeah? Uh, yeah, I think um, I'm obviously in a friends of Norway WhatsApp group. It's me, Christian, and Ronnie Dyla. And um, <laughs> word, on, word on the street is that Ayer's out tomorrow. Oh, um, yeah, Beto, the only worry you have with Beaton and Duffy together is um, there's there's not much in terms of pace there. Um, High yeah, wings, yeah. Beaton coming in, I've, I've no real issues with Beaton coming in. Uh, I, I think it, I don't really think there's much more option really. Beaton has played at Hamden a lot as well. He's, he knows he knows the pitch. He knows the the pressures, uh, semi final pressures as well. Um, because make no mistake, this is a semi final. This isn't you know people will say ah there's no fans there. It's it's different. This is you know this is cup football. I think Aberdeen will be. I think Derek McInnes will tell these players his players uh, take a crack at it. Like you know I think I think tomorrow's going to be a, a lot more blood and snotters than tactical chess. Do you know what I mean? And that's some players might not necessarily be as used to that as, as you know, standard sort of league games. So that back four, I think I would agree to back five. Uh, Bane Barkas, I, th- I still think, is kind of up in the air. That'll be very much a Neil Lennon decision. Um, the back- is, is, this for, is this for charity thing for the week then? Me and Brian like to do a wee... Oh, yeah, sure. We, right, well, so we don't like if, to do it because I lost the last time I've done it once and haven't revisited if, it. Uh, if Barkas starts tomorrow, then I'll stick my 20 quid into the foundation. And if vice versa, me and Brian. No, well. Aye. Mm, aye, okay. Me and Brian. Bastard. Uh, I've chosen the wrong. I've chosen the wrong horse. I've right. Uh, right, cool. That's great. He only does this with the ones he's pretty dead. It's going to happen. We're a, we're a bit more cavalier. Hey, I, I was going to. I was going to make, bring that up earlier in the preview podcast, but I was waiting on Neil just coming back to me confirming who was starting goals. <laughs> and, aye. So, uh, listen, hey, it's always good to give to charity as well. So, great stuff. Okay, we'll come back to that tomorrow um, on the reaction. So, we that's the back. You know, the the back. Well, the goalkeeper, I think, is the only one where Neil Lennon really has a bit of freedom to make a choice because I think the back four pretty much picks itself because there's not a lot of other choice really. El Hamed will be on the bench. Uh, Stephen Welsh will be on the bench as well. Um, that midfield, those, t- is this going to be McGregor, Brown and Cham? Alan? I, I don't think Scott Brown is, I don't think he's suited to this game tomorrow. I, I really don't um, and I'll be interested to see if he starts I, everybody's listened to enough of these preview pro- podcasts presumably to know that at this point it is a, we can only say what we think um, and I, I don't think Scott Brown's suited to it given what we've got in that back line as well um, so it's a tough one you know do you look at bringing Tom Rogic in again who's come into the fold you know somebody's got a great record against Aberdeen I think he did well last Sunday and then look at you know, two other guys that can do a little bit more of the work. Um, you know, you'd be looking at and Cham McGregor, presumably. But again, it's when when does the rest come for these guys? Um Olivia and Cham looked dead in his feet after sixty minutes. Callum McGregor lasted the ninety eight and looked looked really good again. But he, you know, he's a player that's he's just not missing a minute at the moment. So it's interesting. I, I think I would like to see McGregor and Cham um and Roderick tomorrow. Uh, Brian, your thoughts on that? 
don't disagree with that in terms of what I'd like to see. Um, but I think on the basis of Scott Brown not starting last week and how that game went and then how it kind of changed when, to an extent when he came on, I think Brown will start tomorrow. Um, I think it will be Brown and McGregor after, obviously, in Cham Tyron on Thursday night. I think maybe in Cham might drop out and whether he brings Christie in there and plays maybe Rogic a bit further up, I don't know. But I think I think Brown will start tomorrow. You, you, you've just not got that option, probably, with Ryan Christie, because then it gives you the problem outright. Um, you know, that's he, he kind of has to play outright tomorrow, but normally would be an option. Otherwise, well, you know... Well, it depends. So obviously, the, the formation we play with a, a three or maybe even the four, whether we do a sort of diamond type idea, I don't know. Because you've obviously got a Jetty, a Jetty and Moy, but they played really well, and I, I don't want to see a Jetty... Uh, sorry, I don't want to see Moy playing as a sort of just off the striker, which we've tried before and it didn't really work. I, I liked the shape on Thursday night. I, I really mean, do think, I, I do think Brown's going to start tomorrow. Uh, you know, obviously we're going to go back to, I'll bring up the famous Neil Lennon quote about having as many technicians on the park as, as possible. Um, would there be a case that he would change the formation to fit in Edward Ayeti and Ilianusi? I'd, I'd be delighted with that if play with a, a kind of standard front three um, I had no, no issue with that whatsoever I don't think he will but I, th- I think that's been a formation for me that we have the personnel for would suit us better would, I, I, so would I your three said that quite a few times would your three be McGregor and Cham and Christie in the mid yeah I think so maybe David Turnbull or Scott Brown Tom Roderick would struggle to fit in with us yeah I think that's that's fairly obvious, but I think it's a good system. I think I don't see the issue with using it, but if we've not used it now, I'd be surprised if we threw it in in a Scottish Cup semi-final at Hamden. Another system to discuss, inviting, you know, pressure on potentially. You know, I, I don't think it's the time to do it. I, I just, I, there's part of me that thinks... see that front three. You know, as as, I, as Brian kind of said about, we're all convinced it's going to be a four. If Neil Lennon, we rock up to Hamden and he's like, right, it's a back three, we've got two up top and it's a jetty and... Edward, you know, as much as you'd be like, oh, no, no chance. Part of me is now thinking, well, actually, <laughs> the more I think about it, he probably will want to try and put a jetty and Edward together. Then you've got Laxalt and, yeah, Alan. You need to get your wee matrix out to decide, okay, <laughs> is the system what I wanted? No. <laughs> is Edward and a yeti starting? Yes. And then it'll give you a response because uh, it's getting it's getting rough. Isn't it? I know, but it's not even like we're doing this for the sake of doing it. This is just because this is the, the, the thinking that goes into it. I mean, he mentioned El Hamid and, you know, how, how important he is to the team, which I do think so. And I, I think El Hamid's a good, a good player, but if he throws it, he, he, could, he, could, he could just put El Hamid in. It could put El Hamed, Biton, and Duffy as a back three. I'm now convinced myself we're going for a back three tomorrow. <laughs> That's uh, not a bad way because, like, who do you want to see on the field tomorrow? A-, a Yeti and Edward would be great. I think the only potential positive, I don't think Eddie's fit enough. I think he's maybe going to keep well, him on the El- bring him on. El Hamed's not going to be fit either, though, is he? Because he's 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 had yeah. this horrible kind of virus as well. We're, we're going a four. Come on, we've set in a four. We're not going to back to the start again. Come right, on. We're not going to back to the start. Right, so in in terms of let's say let's say we go four three three, it would be interesting to have Ajeti, Edward, and Moyle. You know, see that would be really interesting, but it will be four two three one. I think Ajeti. Or will I, it? I think Ajeti will start up front. I think Edward will come off the bench, 
Um, I think Moya Lunacy will be on the left, Ryan Christie be on the right, and it'll be Brown, McGregor, and I actually think he might go Tom Rogic, just with Rogic's recent history at Hamden, his history against Aberdeen, the fact that he's, he played last week. Um, You're dropping in champ for Rogic. I'm not dropping in champ for Rogic. I just think that Neil Lennon would. I would play in champ every game. I thought in champ was great yeah. for the first half yesterday, uh, last week. Neil, sorry. I think the thing is as well, though, that Olivia and Cham, similar to Callum McGregor, etc., will need rest, and there's more than enough games. I'm not one of the ones that's reacting every time the team lineup comes out. Oh my God, why is X Y Z not starting? You know, it's different when it's the big games, but you know, a game like tomorrow. If you feel that somebody needs a bit of rest so that they're ready for Thursday, Thursday, Sunday next week, so be it. You know, that's absolutely fine. Um, and I don't have a problem with it. Awesome. Awesome, Blossom. Um, thoughts on predictions for tomorrow before we move on to our cup final memories? Brian? Um, um, I think it'll be a tight game. I don't think there'll be as many goals as, as last Sunday. I'm going to go 2 0 Celtic. Uh, Alan, yourself? Um, I, I think Celtic will win pretty pretty well tomorrow. I think three nothing. Why not? Love it. Uh, I think it will be a very open game. I'm looking forward to. It. I'm looking forward to going into a game at Hamden as well, Scottish Cup semi final. Uh, I think it'll be three one to Celtic, um, and I think Edward's going to come off the bench and score the game that puts it beyond doubt. Lovely stuff. <laughs> So for today, we wanted to do a little bit of um, kind of looking back at cup semi-finals, cup finals, just cup football, Scottish cup football in general. Um, and we a really good cup third round game I wanted to discuss, just because we're mixing it up and stuff like that. Well, I spent today when I was doing a little bit of research and I looked at Celtic in the Scottish Cup uh, since 2000. Here's some stats for you. Celtic since two thousand. Are you Christian? Uh, no, because I just wrote, I just wrote down the the hangs off uh, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> but that's accurate though. So shut up, Brian. Um, so Celtic have had won nine trophies since two th- nine Scottish Cups since two thousand. They've been in one final and lost it. Four semi finals, three quarter finals, one fifth round, two third rounds. Which, guess who the third rounds were against? Third round defeats. Since In the two, past 20 years? Since 2000. Uh, you might, when it, when Clyde? It, yeah, Clyde. Clyde, Clyde's one. And the other one is uh, Inverness Caledonian Thistle in 2002. 2002, 2003 seasons. Interesting. But yeah, we've won a lot of trophies. I mean, the last three, obviously, we've won the last three Scottish Cups in a row. So that's class. Um... Alan, we, we each decided to kind of focus on a game uh, within the Scottish Cup that kind of brings up a lot of positive memories for us. What's yours? Talk us through it. I would... I've not went a final or a semi-final. Um, I think they're fairly well covered um, in recent days and weeks um, and generally by the cynic. But 2011 shame game for me, Celtic Park. I <laughs> yes. just love it. I yeah. mean... What's not to like? Scottish Cup, night game, Rangers losing the head, Celtic winning, 
you know, Rangers players getting killed on the line. I mean, what's that's got everything that game. Um, Sasa Papa actually always joke, still thinks he won that game. They've just not got a heart to tell him. Love <laughs> um, um, I uh, the twenty eleven shame game was great for me. You know, I had a wee glance just before we come on at the Rangers team as well, and you know, it's that's a team you really would want to beat, um, and to beat them in that fashion, and then you know them losing the head during the game and after the game is just top notch but a biding memory of that is leaving the stadium and the whole stadium singing as we left and when that happens at Celtic Park it's you know it's pretty special um, Majid Baguera trying to not get booked by forcing the referee's hand back down as well if people remember that it was a novel tactic a man that could get away with most things but didn't manage to get away with it in that day so that's to me is one of my favourite Scottish Cup memories. Um, I'm assuming that's probably the last night game as well that we played Rangers. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, after, I, unsurprisingly. Yeah, they, they died as well. Remember, on this oh, day God. in 2012. Right, die. Good show. Amazing. Um, is that right? It is. Yeah. Well, today's liquidation day. Yeah. Liquidation day. Um, happy liquidation day, one and all. Um, I do love the idea though of Majid Bagheera. Like the referee's about to bring out the red card. He's like, no, 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 no. Ah, Almost like if you can avoid the referee doing it, then it doesn't happen. That's... Well, to be fair, the ref was Callum Murray, and if there ever was, uh, you know, an empty vessel, then it was Callum Murray. You know, it nearly worked. He probably did think actually, I, I, I will not book this man since he's now forcing my hand back into my pocket. So, <laughs> what, um, what did he think? I, I will not book this man. <laughs> Why? Is that's he exactly. That? That's that's how he spoke. He's a referee. He doesn't have any social skills. Nah, not there. Uh, Whitaker gets sent off as well. Everybody coming in for today. I'm, I'm loving this today. Uh, Can we just keep going? I'm uh, getting a lot off my chest today. Let's get a few drinks around. Let's let's rock and roll. Uh, Whitaker, Bugera, and uh, Duff all getting sent off uh, uh, Brian thought mem- memories of that game yeah the, the abiding memory is obviously Sasa Papach um, Mark Wilson scoring a goal but Mark Wilson hitting a shot with that power is was incredible um, but yeah when you let Juf I told Baguera was the first one I thought when Alan said that's a team you really want to beat he was the one that popped out in, in my head um, Juf I totally forgot all about to be fair um, but yeah that whole period um, of of being up against them, that team they had and everything that was going on in the background, McCoy's manager, uh, yeah, just just tremendous, absolutely tremendous. Diouf, Bartley, Whitaker, Bartley, God, just horribleness. John Fleck, John Fleck, looking the bench as well. Alexander, Wild, Healy, Kerkart and Kyle Hutton. Or, aye, Kyle Hutton, I'm presuming. Kyle Hutton, aye. Jesus, man. Scum, scum. Absolute scum. <laughs> They died. They yeah. did. They no longer exist. The big house must stay open. <laughs> I am sure. I very good. James on the bench that night as well. Aye, Jim Bag, uh, Dominic Servi, of course, prominent Donald Trump supporter. Donald yeah. <laughs> Dominic Servi, uh, Juarez, uh, Ronya, Thomas Ronya, who captained Lech Poznan the other night. Did he? I, 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 I seen him making a making a melee at the goal. Oh, <laughs> Thomas, he's, he's not getting a better age. Um, Did he pull a mad I, face when he was doing it? I can't believe this is a great Efren Juarez and Anthony Stokes on the same bench though. What a what a, a discussion would have been had there. They'd have been making the plans for the night out. They'd have been in bamboo shortly after a bit. No question. Worry. Don't you worry about that. Um a great game, a great memory. Uh, Brian, what, what memory have you chosen? Couple, 
based on the fact you sent us a WhatsApp saying pick a couple. Um, so, but my first one, it's uh, uh, my, the centenary season, obviously my favourite season, um, the Hearts semi-final. For a whole host of reasons, um, I was in the family section at Hamden that day, which was uh, it was bizarre. Um, I think it's now, it's not the main stand, it's the kind of, is it the south stand? It's the kind of, whatever it is, obviously it was open, it didn't have a cover on it, um, but I met three of my mates in the family section that day. None of us knew we were all going. We just all sort of bumped into each other. And it was an amazing day. You sure day. they were um, your mates, Brian? What? <laughs> you sure they were your mates? They were after the game. Yeah, I hadn't met them before. You, it, you, but just, yeah. you just met three people randomly, haven't you? You've yeah, just three people that I like. I don't have many friends, so anybody I just kind of bump into, I call them oh, friends. God love them. Um, but no, for the whole, everything about that day, um, obviously, one down, we like three minutes to go. Um, Henry Smith dropping the ball. Um, Mark McGee scoring and then similarly coming out for a cross Mark McGee uh, yeah I like to think he didn't foul him um, and it dropped to unfortunately Andy Walker who we now don't think very highly of but as an abiding Scottish Cup semi-final memory that, that's just fantastic um, the other one I thought of though was um, when we beat them 4-0 um, under Rogers at Hamden predominantly because that was the one where there's kind of famous clips of them uh, the Loud, Loudon Tavern, the Scottish Cup final draw, which I think is like the 3rd of March, 4th of March. And the draw comes out and they're all cheering for Celtic. They all wanted Celtic in the semi. And three weeks later, we gubbed them 4 nothing. Andy Halliday gets substituted before half-time. Um, and then he goes mental on the bench at Graham Murray. And all in all, it was just a fantastic day. Uh, a couple of points about that. Uh, Dembele scores a Penenka, which is just... A Penenka penalty as well, yeah. Absolutely magnificent. Uh, that's Tom Rodgick gets the first... Is that the one where Roger gets the first? Is that not the one? What's, yeah. what's the one where McGregor? Ah, well, it's the uh, long ball. The year before, I think, we beat them 2-0. Ah, McGregor yeah. scored the first. That's right, yeah. Um, but no, like uh, the Penenka and Roger score. It's just... Uh, and then Dembele gives up the penalty to Encham. Like, ah, oh, listen, I've had one. You you, you take one for yourself, <laughs> my man. I've already made an ass of that goal in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> also, Morelos missing... Um, I think Gordon pulls off a great save from a Morelos header, but then he more or less is an open goal. Aye, that's right. I think that's the worst, probably this, no, it's the second worst Morelos one, actually. The, the, the worst one was against Bain, wasn't it? <laughs> Where it's like on the line. But um, he was in the net, <laughs> but the ball wasn't. <laughs> and Alan, you love when players are in the net, don't you? When they fall in the Aye net. Enough. It's, it's like my subreddit kind of niche. Uh, awesome Blossom, um, which is a new thing I'm saying. I'm going to stop it now, though. It's awful. I just want to highlight the first semi-final I ever went to was 96-97 season when um, we played Falkirk at Ibrox. Ibrox, I was at that game, I know. And Tommy maybe jo- I bumped into you that day and we became friends. Tommy Johnson scores, makes his debut, scores, brilliant, and then Kevin James scores with a looping fucking header. And uh, I, like, I remember me and my sister were there and uh, just at full time I was just like, because we'd beaten Rangers in the quarterfinal, and that was my first uh, Glasgow derby. And I was just like, well, we can't lose now because we've knocked Rangers out. And then I just, it was really, did not compute the fact that obviously we lost 1 0. Um, Paul McGrath. I think me and, me and Barry covered that one on the Chronicles recently yeah. as well. If you're looking for a wee further dive into that. Yeah, very good. Very good, that one. Um, but the, the the one I wanted to pick up was the semi-final versus Dundee United, um, 14th of April, 2013. It finished 4-3 to Celtic after extra time. One of the most entertaining games of football I've been at 
probably ever. Like, it was a semi-final at Hamden. Celtic started really well. Chris Common scores after two minutes. Then Gary McKay, Stephen, and Ryan Gold. I remember watching that game. Me and my dad, me and my dad were at Hamden, which was, that in itself was really amazing to be there with him. Um, and GMS and uh, Ryan Gold kind of do, we want uh, we want to in the edge of the bit area. Gold holds it up, goes one each. Then um, Daly makes it 2-1. Then Wanyama makes it two each. Then Commons makes it 3-2. Then Daly makes it three each. And then uh, Anthony Stokes 4-3 in the last minute. Total fantastic Scottish Cup semi-final. Lots of goals, lots of excitement. That Dundee United team, let me just run through some of the names. Um, uh, uh, Douglas, Watson, Sutar, uh, Rankin, Gary McKay, Stephen, Ryan Gold, Gardine, Armstrong, uh, Cherzniak in goals as well. Just really, really good team. Really, really good, uh, just a really good semi-final. And the fact that Celtic won it as well was obviously icing on the cake. Do you guys remember any memories of that game, Alan? Yeah, I, I was there as well. I, great game. Um, it was at that point Dundee United were a they were a really good outfit, um, and it was to be honest, it's, it's one that I've never actually really thought back on. But I'm glad you brought it up because I might go and watch the highlights. Highlights um, are great. I watched it was that a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian, yourself? Nothing specific, but when you read it out, for some reason, John Suter stuck into my head. Did he do anything in that game that? Would make me remember him. I don't know why. He but, was he um, was he was sixteen. That was like because he just kind of broke into the team. Um, well, there you go. Maybe and he was like really that. really young, and Gold was only like eight, seventeen or eighteen as well. Like really young. Emotional. Team. Michael Caine voice. He was only sixteen years old. He was only supposed to blow the bloody doors. Oh, well, fuck that! I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. That's why I said Michael Caine voice. <laughs> voice. See, I've, I've I've made a fool of you. I've, yeah, I've, I've penanked uh, you. Yeah, pen- right through the legs. Embarrass myself Meg in front you. of T-bone. Sent, sent you for a curry. Sent me, sent me up the road. Anyway, tomorrow, this game, looking forward to it. Let's hope we get a really good performance from Celtic. Let's hope that uh, it's an entertaining game and that uh, we march on to the final. Um, any final words regarding the preview, Brian? Uh, yep, yeah, uh, I said I love being part of the preview and uh, I love the Scottish Cup and I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. Lovely stuff. Alan, final thoughts? Oh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to go and watch the Hibs and Hearts game now, sip a couple of beers and hopefully watch who are up against in the final. Excellent. I will do the same. I'm Chris Gallagher. This has been the preview. Mono Hoops.